0: Welcome to Everything Co op, bringing you information on how cooperatives can help improve your quality of life. This show is being sponsored by the National Co op Bank, NCB. The NCB is dedicated to strengthening communities nationwide for the delivery of banking and financial services for the nation's cooperatives their members and other socially responsible organizations. For more information on the power of community ownership, visit ncb.coop. That's ncb.coop. Now stay tuned for your host, Vernon Oaks. Hi everybody, this is Vernon Oaks. Welcome to our program this morning, which is Everything Co-op. We are in Washington, D.C. at the at NCBA's Cooperative Impact Conference at the National Press Club. Every year, NCBA, with some of its sponsors, will bring in young scholars, uh, leaders and scholars, cooperative leaders and scholars. And we have four of those today sitting around a table that's going to tell us about themselves and what they do. So the first one is Leslie. Leslie good morning
1: good morning everyone thanks so much for having me
0: I'm glad you're here so where are you from and what kind of education do you have
1: yeah so I am over here from New York City and I attended the City University uh, City University of New York specifically at the City College of New York so we have many branches I did my bachelor's in economics and international studies there, and I pursued a certificate program at the graduate level, the School of Labor and Urban Studies.
0: School of Labor and Urban Studies. And your nationality, where are your family from?
1: Family is originally from Ecuador. Ecuador. Yep, Ecuadorian.
0: Okay. Buenos dias. Good morning. (laughs) Buenos dias. And how did you get into this co op world?
1: That's a story, and I think it's very non-traditional, and again, because of lack of opportunity for us that we have in, in, you know, in, in college and also in the education system to learn about cooperatives. But I like to think I'm very uh, lucky in the sense of how I was able to connect with cooperatives. So again, I'm an economics major, and my traditional path would have been to enter the field of finance, Enter the field field of finance and follow a career path in corporate. So that's that's usually the, the traditional path that students take once they declare they want to major in economics. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel early on I knew that that's not the that's not the path I wanted to take. You know, I felt like uh, I was learning about all these social justice movements. I was learning about the history of our economic system, and I was also seeing uh, how our economy was playing out and impacting communities uh, that look li- like mine, and uh, you know, it was it was sort of a call for me to say, there's something else available, and I still want to major in economics, and I still want to learn about the system, but I want to learn about alternatives. I just wasn't sure how to do that okay. until I participated in a fellowship program at the Colin Powell School, uh, which is where I go. And the fellowship program is on racial justice, and so I had the opportunity to, by by luck, get paired with a professor at the School of Labor and Urban Studies. Her name is Rebecca Larry. if she's listening. Hello. <laughs> I appreciate you so much. But you know, just by chance I was paired with her, and she was the director of sort of like a program at, at the School of Labor and Urban Studies that focused on cooperatives. So not only did I get in touch with a mentor and a professor that encouraged me to complete the certificate program, but I also had the opportunity to complete an internship program. Uh, And I got to work on research. um, I got to work on developing events uh, related to cooperatives. um, And I got to speak to really amazing people in the movement, not just in labor, in the the co-op space, and just get an insight into what that world looked like.
0: And you got to go to Spain.
1: I did get to go to Spain, so <laughs> that was a part of the class as well. We were introduced to different co-op models, and, you know, we explored the Canadian social economy. In addition to that, we explored um, just the cooperative movement, the cooperative space in Montragon, Spain. And so from the very beginning, I said, this is a model I want to explore. This is a model that I want to learn more about. How can I do that? How can I get myself to Spain? CUNY does not offer... Current, right now, I know that there's an existing partnership, which is which took time to develop and I'm very excited about. But back when I was a student, there was no partnerships available, right, to travel to Spain, particularly in the Basque Country. And that was a goal of mine. So I think it took over a year. Um, again, through the support of the Colin Powell School and the support of my uh, professor, uh, Rebecca, we developed a research proposal. And that research proposal was enough for me to get grant a grant from the school to go to Spain. Fantastic. So that covered, yeah. Fantastic.
0: Yeah. And Mondragon, they have all of these different uh, co op businesses that work together, like Co op principal Six, Cooperation Among Co ops, they have a bank and a college, they have all of this stuff. What excited you most about what you learned in Spain in Mondragon?
1: I mean, so many things. I've, I think particularly what was interesting to me before get going there is the idea that something like that existed, that a network like, network like that existed. I mean, I grew up in New York City. Um, I am surrounded by a couple of housing co-ops. Um, I'm walking distance to some community gardens, um, walking distance to my university. But I just... I don't think I, I was ever introduced to a model where you can live there and also be close to a cooperative, a worker co-op, where you can have family members that uh, rely on, on, on these cooperatives right as their source of income. Um, to have people going to a university that's, that's a cooperative um, and just getting a, a sense of how to participate in their workplace, something that comes naturally to them, right? So I, I think a lot of that I had to be introduced to. What surprised me the most is that for the conversations that I had with people and I feel fortunate that I got to talk to some worker owners while there um, and I got to make connections is the idea that all of this to them is sort of se- it's like, you know, not second nature. It's, it's part of their daily life to be a part of a cooperative. And for us, it's it's different. For us, it's uh, that's that's an amazing opportunity to participate in a cooperative. That's um, a great opportunity for you to you know be a part of a worker cooperative. Whereas over there, it's like people grow into it, and it's part of their community. It's part of the environment that they're in, and you know I I feel like something like that is something that we can strive to as well.
0: I said, wow, what would it be like to grow up in a community where everybody works in a co-op and learn? as a kid and all the way through school how do we work together how we make decisions together how do how do we get consensus leadership and man- that that's fascinating yeah i would like that as opposed to too much here is how i do it by myself as opposed to how we do it together
1: yeah, yeah. And i mean that raises an important question too i feel there's gaps in our education system in introducing us to these different alternative uh, economic systems uh, i think there's room for us to talk about this in middle school high school college at the college level especially and you know i have this this um, relation to it with being an economics major and not knowing about these alternative economic systems um, had I not pursued opportunities that sort of led me to that, right? So I think that speaks to the gaps that exist and I think there's room for us to push for more of of these concepts to be incorporated into our education system.
0: So you said by chance you met your professor? Uh, Rebecca, I think you said
1: Rebecca Laria.
0: And I would suggest to you is the universe put the two of you all together. She's like there that. to to <laughs> to teach, and you're there. You're wanting to learn, and together now. I didn't learn about co-op until I was 48 years old. I got well I through my MBA program, through my former education. No, nowhere was it taught, so it's better today than it was back then. And I'm glad. I'm glad you you've gotten this. What kind of work do you see yourself doing in this space? So,
1: I mean, part of the reason why I'm part of this program too, and I'm very grateful to be surrounded by incredible people that are just inspire me, right, to pursue different career paths. Part of the reason why I'm here is to understand that a little bit better. Um, I was on the side of curriculum development for businesses that want to transition into cooperative. So I have experience there. You know, I did research um, with my my um, project over at Montregan and I did uh, member engagement so I think I've been in uh, all these in these different spaces mm-hmm. for a period of my time and this is an opportunity for me to work on what it is that I want to do but I have a passion for learning about international cooperative systems right so Mondragon being one of them and I've traveled over to Cuba I traveled to Mexico I'm going to Puerto Rico towards the end of October and I'm sort of putting together this idea of how can I learn or position myself in an opportunity that that allows me to support cooperatives at the international level, but also learn and take from each of them key parts that make them successful. So whether that's through academic work or that's through um, international cooperative development, I sort of see myself taking on the international lens for learning about cooperatives?
0: So five years or so ago, I had a lady on the program from Puerto Rico, and she said, if I have my, from my memory correctly, she said that they've had co-ops in school in Puerto Rico for 60 years, from elementary school all the way through college. And at that particular time, five years ago, they had 54 different co-ops in schools. Mm-hmm where people and the kids in elementary school had some pictures of, of these elementary school kids running a board meeting. I mean, that would be so exciting to get that kind of knowledge so early on. Mm-hmm. So what message, what what part of the world do you want to live in?
1: <laughs> so my heart belongs to, I mean, I, grew, I was born and raised in New York City. Um, I would love to go back to my home country, Ecuador. Ecuador but I feel that every place that I've visited has a part of my heart because I've fallen, um, you know, I've been connected to those places and, and they're de- um, they're connected to me. So, But I, I would say Ecuador, especially because my family is from there. Um, and in doing that, I would love to explore, you know, what the cooperative scene is like in, in Ecuador as well. Cause I don't Do you
0: know what it's like now? Do you have any sense of what the co-op scene is in Ecuador? I don't Ecuador? have
1: a sense of how it is right now, no.
0: So that would be a good question here at NCBA Clusa. They have through the Clusa side, and that that was a cooperative league of the USA was their first name. Uh, Through AID they have all of these different grants to go out and help around the world. It would be interesting to ask somebody here Mm. what they may have. So what message would you like to leave people with?
1: Well, an important part is, again, because of my experience and how I was connected to the co op space through an internship program, I think I want to encourage the businesses, organizations that are here to invest time and effort into developing internship programs that offers especially if if i've been hearing a lot that you want to connect more with youth i think that's a perfect opportunity is to invest time and effort um, into developing internship programs uh, to give students college-age students the opportunity to have their first experience in in a cooperative space. Um, I think that allows for an incredible transformation of their career choices afterwards, getting to see and exist within a cooperative space. Um, So I would suggest that. And um, again, I I share my story as an example of how that connected me to the co-op space.
0: Fantastic. Leslie Gale, thank you very, very much for for being here today and sharing your story. Uh, When we come back after the break, Tommy Shong, who was in Berkeley and now she's at in Los Angeles, we, we saw that uh, Leslie was in New York, so we got both ends right away of the spectrum. We'll be right back with Tommy. Please don't touch that dial Welcome back, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks, and the program is Everything Co-op. In the last segment, Leslie Kelly from New York uh, talked to us about her career path and where she wants to do in this co-op world. And right now, Tommy Shung from originally Berkeley and now in LA. Good morning, Tommy. Hi, Vernon. So, Tommy, tell tell us where you went to school. What did you major in?
2: Yeah, um, so kind of, I'm not actually from Berkeley. Um, I'm from the San Gabriel Valley, which is kind of like a suburb outside of L.A. Um, And I went to Berkeley, um, University of California, Berkeley, and I studied sociology and ethnic studies. How I kind of ended up there was when I grew up in the San Gabriel Valley, I grew up close to the L.A. area, um, and I got involved actually first in community organizing before co-ops, um, so I would go to South Central LA and hang out with, like, system-impacted trans and queer people, um, young people. Um, so these would be, like, folks who had parents who were formerly incarcerated, foster youth, um, just, like, people who just, I don't know, were navigating not only the trans and queerness, but, you know, just being criminalized growing up. Um, and I really saw that. and like wow this is starkly different from how i grew up i grew up in like a sort of like middle class suburb um i'm chinese and vietnamese and my community looked a lot like me um so it was like very um chinese and it was middle class and it was suburban and it looked different from like white suburbs but i was like why what's this disparity happening and i'm I'm like going to south central la to organize with people and like you know, it just looks different. Like, the struggles we were navigating were different. Um, and I, I got involved in other community organizing in Chinatown. And um, I think I just started to f- learn about just, like, these, like, cl- I don't know, these, like, class struggles. The the struggles that people were navigating. And mm-hmm. um, I didn't think that going to Berkeley would help me, like, I don't know. I, I didn't think that it would help me solve all the problems. But I think that like you know if I go to Berkeley and I study sociology and ethnic studies I'll be able to kind of understand Understand. and analyze like and talk about this better Um, so that's how I ended up there Um, but I think like I I just think that not involving myself in community outside of Berkeley was where I actually grew the most I think politically philosophically and all that stuff and I got into co-ops when I was like cheap housing in Berkeley. I just Googled it and I landed. (laughs) Wait a
0: minute. You Googled cheap housing in Berkeley. (laughs) Yeah.
2: It's not a lie. Um, I grew up (laughs) cheap housing in Berkeley and thanks to the Berkeley student co-ops, like Google search optimization or whatever, um, they were able to bring me in. I was kind of like into like the idea of like, I don't know, socialism or like, you know, how do we live together and like be together? And that's how I ended up there. And I, did a bunch of stuff, grew a lot. I feel like I grew up there. Um, I moved in there when I was 18. Most of the people that I was living with were like 22, et cetera. So, yeah, I just got involved in kind of co-ops that way. Um, I'm not sure if I preempted your question. For no,
0: now. no, that, that you got to the question of how do you got into co-ops. I just cheap housing, and you <laughs> ended up at the uh, Berkeley
2: Co-op. Now, you did work there for a while, too? Yeah, I worked there for a while. Um, I kind of did what members could. So um, the Berkeley Student Co-op, I think, gives a lot of opportunities for members of the co-op to really get involved in the operations, management, and governance. Um, So at one point, I was like, hiring committee chair, which meant that, like, I hired all the people in the co-op. I screened them. There were, like, over, like, 100 member positions, and then we hired for professional staff positions as well, um, so I got to see that side of things, like. And how I,
0: old were you when you were hiring all these people?
2: I was, I don't know, 19. 19, okay. Um, so, yeah, I was hiring, like, 40-plus-year-old people to work in the co-op professionally, but also looking at just, like, I don't know, the co-opers that were my age and putting them into these like member positions. And eventually I did all this stuff and I became president of the co-op and I don't know, I didn't really super realize like, wow, this is like a $13 million a year operation and we have $40 million in assets and all these liabilities and 20 plus staff. And like, I'm like managing the executive director and like, it was just a lot. And I think, it sort of emphasizes how co-ops can be a place for like members to grow and kind of even sort of popularize some of their ideas. Um, I really love that. I got an opportunity to, to like help kind of steward a budget development process that included like all of these different priorities, whether that was like international solidarity, Tommy, or like co-op Tommy,
0: Tommy, I, I, so, what yeah. I get what I've what I've gotten so far from you, is <laughs> you're 18, 19 years old. You are, and and became the president or the of a company that's 13 million dollar budget.
2: Not a company, nonprofit housing cooperative. It's a company. Okay. It is a nonprofit sure. company. Yeah, it's incorporated. It
0: sells stuff and it it gets money in and it pays people. It is a company. It's just you have to make money uh, in order to survive. To pay your bills, yeah, right. so my point though is you very, very young age, you get all of this great, 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 wonderful experience. There was a guy named Jim Jones, did you know that name it was nasco? He had probably retired by the time you got there, but he was on the show eight years or so, and he said he learned more at Berkeley. In, in the co-op world in the housing co-op that he did it at college he learned how to work with people he learned yep. the budgeting you're talking about learning how to hiring and firing paying bills the the education was just phenomenal and you got that
2: yeah fascinating I, I lived you learn how to live with the complexity of different people imagine if you were to like I don't know if you're in like a workspace that works from nine to five think of going home and seeing all those people and having to live with them. And so you just learn, I don't know, to understand people more, have more patience, learn about a lot of different things. And so I'm really glad that I got my kind of upbringing there. And I kind of use that as sort of a springboard to get involved in other co-op kind of organizations. And um, so, yeah, that's how I ended up in my current role, which is president of, north american students of cooperation better known as nasco um so yeah i just started that this year and i'm just excited to like advocate and kind of represent on behalf of this like housing not only like student housing co-op movement but housing co-ops at, at large so so one yeah.
0: of my goals is to get. Uh Student housing co ops in historically black colleges and universities. It just seemed like it would be fascinating, particularly if you could look up what's cheap housing like in Washington, D.C. around Howard. Okay, (laughs) (laughs) okay, that would be interesting. So, what are you doing now? Um, Besides being the president of NASCO, what else are you doing?
2: I am a geography PhD student um, at UCLA, so um, I am currently living at UCHA, which is a 500 or so member co op there. Um, and I study a lot of different things. Um, I guess like my... I'm sorry, that
0: 500-member co-op, is that a student housing co-op in in and around UCLA?
2: Yeah, it's around UCLA. Um, it's not affiliated with NASCO yet, okay. but um, yeah, it's really good. My rent is $600 a month. I have three meals included in the contract and two meals on the weekend, and all I have to do is get $600 um, to contribute to the co-op and then put in four hours a week and do chores. Um, I work in the kitchen and I really like working in the kitchen because I don't have to talk or think with people and I think I do a lot of that already within this like co-op sphere um, so it's really nice to be able to do that um, and yeah it's also really helpful to not worry about education and um, or let me not worry about housing costs in education as I'm doing my PhD. And yeah, geography is like one of my biggest things, so. So what are you gonna do with geography? Yeah, um, so geography actually um, helped me see the world a lot better than I think sociology and ethnic studies did. I think it helps you understand how communities embed themselves into place and how place, I don't know, influences people. So what I study is a concept that I'm developing called like Black Asian geopolitical intimacy. So it's kind of Wait a about minute, Black Asian what geopolitical intimacy. So Geo- it's kind pl- of <laughs> anyway, okay. it, it's just about how the race and space of our communities are intertwined together. Um, so yeah, that's just a very little thing about me, and there's so much more. Um, like Leslie, I'm interested in international co-op stuff. I've been to Nicaragua twice to learn about those co-ops. So anyway, thanks for having me on the show. And yeah, um, feel free to ask whatever questions what do you What you message
0: have. would you like to leave people with?
2: Um, try to change the world um, and struggle to change it, whether that's involving yourself in co-ops or other community organizing. I feel like co-ops were the space where we got to develop structures that I know would like last longer um, than some short-lived political campaigns. But Generally I just encourage everyone to like get involved and attempt to try to develop this co-op ecosystem develop just a different world um join a credit union I don't know find all these co-op like yes yeah so yeah that that's my message um thank you
0: Thank you so very much Tommy. Thank you so much very much. So we we talked to Leslie first who's in New York and then Tommy who's in California. When we come back we're going to talk to karen tyler ruiz who is in detroit michigan so we're hitting the, the whole spaces we have ecuadorian chinese vietnamese and we're gonna find out where karen is from okay we'll be right back please don't touch that dial Welcome back, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks, and the program is Everything Cooperative. You know, October is such a great, great month. This is co-op month, and we're celebrating a Cooperative Impact Conference uh, that NCBA uh, does every year. We're at the National Press Club. We're talking to four of their young people, their scholars and, and leaders uh, program. Uh, we've talked to Leslie and then Tommy, and then we're going to talk to Karen here in a minute But October is also great because it's my birthday. I'll be (laughs) 76 years old next Saturday. This coming Saturday coming up. uh, So it's my birthday. It's co-op month. And we started this program 10 years ago, October. So October is such a a great, 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 great month for us. So Karen, you can talk to us about you. Where did you go to school, grow up, and how did you get into co-ops?
3: So thank you for having me on here, and thanks everyone who I were, how I was chosen even to be on this show today. So thank you very much, and I also have to say I'm really amazed that I didn't know this much about you, Leslie or Tommy. I'm like, whoa, it's kind of blowing my mind here. So um, just I love I'm so glad I'm in your presence, both of you. We'll here next from Adrian, I'm from Detroit, Michigan, born and raised. Um, went away to school in Iowa. It seems so long ago now, and I studied. Abroad, I, I had an opportunity to study in the University of Seville for a year. I came back, um, worked in nonprofit work and advocacy, and then went off to the Peace Corps, and was placed in Costa Rica. And I I am bilingual. I had studied it, and then all of my stuff just kept me getting better. And
0: bilingual Spanish
3: English. See, si. uh, yes, bilingual okay. Spanish. Okay, si, see, um, And. Uh, Did all of those things. While I was in both of those countries, I did see the world of co-ops, but I had no understanding whatsoever about what that meant. So fast forward, I, I got involved with community economic development as a career choice back in the United States. I came back to Detroit, married, got married, had a baby in Costa Rica, came back to the United States, then started working in this this field and started in affordable housing i worked at a community development fiscal intermediary cdfi grants and loans to the community to get housing
0: so was that a limited equity house a limited no
3: at that time all we did was low-income housing tax credits which is a different kind of way to get affordable housing and then single-family subsidized um with yeah subsidies so i yeah that's that's very interesting so, did that and um, did a little bit of personal finance coaching for the community, creating a program like that. Moved into workforce development um, and providing um, resources. How do you do
0: this? And you look like you're 25.
3: Ah, you uh, but I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> you do all that? <laughs> so I'm in this program. I am not a young community leader and scholar. I am new to cooperatives, but not new to the working world, so, oh, okay. to the world of this this stuff. So that's how I came into co-ops, because I, um, I did the um, workforce development. For a number of years, I managed a, a workforce development fund. So it's a lot of funders putting money into it and trying to pull the um, employees and workers together to try and figure out things. It was a very, I learned a lot, I learned a lot all the way along the way. But the way I talk about my career is I'm trying to keep every man and woman's money in their pocket. So it's really just try to, so you can live, right? So you should be able to have quality housing, quality living, work fun everything just just and that's but keeping that money in your pocket so all of these things i think of it holistically these are all the ways you have to do it to keep there. workforce development kind of pushed me over the edge a little bit because i was able to work on a program that i loved with pre-apprenticeship and i worked with the unions it was great to form a program for particularly to get black americans and other minorities um, into the construction trades there's a lot of politics inside of workforce development and I was not able to do, like I'm always trying to keep people, money in their pockets and I saw where the money went and so I was, um I, I said, um oh, I got to do a little bit different. <laughs> so I had learned about co-ops along the way in my funding capacity and then I started to get more involved. I got on a board of um, a, a developer organization. Oh, Can I then, get you to yeah. stop a second? Yeah,
0: yeah, <laughs> I, I got to see if I can pull this together. I really <laughs> like the idea of you trying to get some money in my pocket. Okay, I like that part. Okay. So you had learned about co-ops. Then you go into the construction trade and you see that folks are not able to work in these construction trades. The ones that are workers can't keep money in their pocket. You I was, see where their money goes.
3: I'll say a little differently. Okay. That program I thought was fantastic because the resources went two people to figure out how to get into the trades, which was a sticking point in Detroit for particularly black and brown people
0: okay.
3: in this day and age. The whole workforce system and where the money was flowing to get people trained, that program in itself I thought was great. Other programs that I were involved in, I didn't think were as great because the money most, I would say a good chunk of the money landed with the employers to work with the, the uh, with the workers, but not enough of it in my mind in terms of the way the system is set up. And I knew I was not going to change that system. Okay, so
0: here, what I'm hearing you say, if I got it right, is you're in this program and the people that gets the grants that run the program, they get the money. The people that they are training don't get as much money. You'd no, know,
3: they get to get the be money. trained. Yeah. But they don't know how much the employer is getting to train them and then all these other kinds of subsidies that go along with it again I'm not mad at it no, just, no, no, I just no, didn't no, I wasn't it. it just yeah I, I got it yeah now, the
0: question <laughs> that I have for you is what does co-op do then that in that equation in that formula of all this money's coming in and the people that do the grants that own the business they get the money how do you how does working in co-op maybe change that equation a bit
3: worker agency so the it, the individual has agency in particularly in workers co-op. So as a worker owner, you no know, you work there, you get wages, but you also own it, so you you also have to be involved with the day-to-day you in both the profits and the losses. You have to be educated about the business because you have to help make those decisions when you're a, a worker and you like I just want to raise but if you work there and it's like that raise means we're not going to make any profit next year, then you might pause a little bit. But, but you also have a voice and you can say something about it. So it's a very different dynamic when you work there and you own it than when you're in, an employee. And I thought that was a much better way to lift people up, keep money in your pockets, and you become a better citizen, a better person, because you have to be way more engaged And it's not a management me thing. You and I against Matt. No, because you are part of it. So you're part of management. You got it. You you, it's all it's all of it. I think that's wonderful. And we democratic governance. One thing we say in my organization is the most undemocratic place in the United States is your workplace. For the majority of folks that live in the United States, because you have to do whatever your boss tells you, you have to do whatever your company does, you see all the strikes going on because you know people are not feeling it right now <laughs> but but mm-hmm. you don't have you don't have as many rights so when you are in a worker co-op and you own that space as well as work in that space, you have the right to be engaged and it and it changes your mindset about everything so that's that's what got me there and just being able to to be able to help folks get into those spaces where they're making decisions that affect their, their, their pockets as well, the money in their pockets, but in a different way. And they have more control over it, more an agency on a day-to-day basis in their lives. I think you should have quality of life. I think that's critical. And all, you, you need all of these things to have quality of life. So that's really what brought me into the cooperative space. And I'm very much enjoying it in the, the worker cooperative space.
0: Very much in, enjoying it. I, um, I so much like the statements and the way you're saying and how you learn that when you work in a worker co-op, quite frankly, it's any co-op, but a worker co-op is what we're talking about, you have voice. There was a lady named Dame Pauline Green who was the president of ICA, International Cooperative Alliance, seven years ago or so, said that Co-ops help people to come out of poverty with dignity. Yes, okay. and that's what I hear you talking about because yeah. the dignity comes from having voice. You get, you have a chance to say, and people will hear you and listen, and you learn through the fifth principle of cooperation, uh, training, information, and getting knowledge. You learn how to to speak and talk, and you end up with that voice and you end up with that dignity. Absolutely absolutely money in your pocket
3: exactly <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it's a both and <sighs>
0: so how do you see the future for co-ops in your work particularly in
3: detroit i want to conquer the world now um i think detroit is a ripe city to do a lot of things in this space and when i say that i'm it, there's still a lot i think of a lot of opportunity because from a business standpoint, it's low barrier entry. If you're any type of entrepreneur, there's still opportunity, not like a New York or a LA or a San Fran. It's really difficult, but in, in Detroit, you can still get in there. A co-op could start with very little um, capital and still make something happen. And there's a robust entrepreneurship support system, not a hundred percent co-op friendly, but you can access some of those supports to work on your co-op. So I think there's an opportunity there. Our organization's focused on worker co-ops and having businesses sell their business to workers. So you get a bigger impact right there because workers come, become owners immediately. But there's also an opportunity in Detroit specifically for housing co-ops to, to take a look at that one more time. There are, They exist I think there's more opportunity in that space, too, because, again, we're not there. We're moving up to those costs.
0: So you see a lot of opportunity for co-ops in Detroit. Yes. So what about the co-op, the Detroit co-op? Detroit Detroit People's Food Food Co-op. Yes,
3: Yes, that's an amazing one. I am a member of the Detroit People's Food Co-op. It's an amazing journey. Um, I've been watching the leaders, Malik Yakini and many others, who created of food, he did a lot of things. He got people engaged in agriculture again, like kind of going back to the of Right, your farms. Where does your food come from? Understanding that with youth and then talking about food security and just kept bringing people in that way. It's right now, it's resulting in Detroit People's Food Co-op, but it's a journey that was very intentional of bringing people along with them by engaging them in Understanding where the food food grows, so I am a proud member in that organization, um, like many many others, and it should be opening up in the beginning of 2025.
0: So I understand that you're building a building there. Yep, that's two, almost, almost done. Mm-hmm. Almost 2,000 members building a building there, yep. and it will be finished, and you raise 20 million dollars in 13 years.
3: That's correct. And I'm not going to say I'm a member. I'm going to give that over to all the folks that worked hard for the last 13 years, because I I was involved only as as a member and supportive in my other roles. But I I never take the credit for all of that. Um, It is black led. I'm very excited about that. Um, And I think everybody that's black in Detroit and around Detroit should be a member no matter what. That's how I feel. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and others I'm not saying exclusive but if you're black you should be a member it's power and it's only a hundred dollar <laughs> membership fee 200 200 200 dollars okay. for membership but you could pay over time thank you so very much thank you we're going to go into
0: our final break and when we come back we're going to talk to Adrian who lives in Boston but his family's from Cuba and Chile yes so I want to hear from him about his co-op experience It has been so much fun talking to Leslie, Tommy, and Karen about what they have been doing and where they're going and and, uh, how they're going to impact the world. We'll be right back. Please don't touch that now. Information is power. That is the motto for WOL, and we're here to give you information about the cooperatives and how they can benefit uh, individuals, community, and the world. You know, I say that October is a great month because it's co-op month. It's my birthday, and we've been on the air for 10 years. We started 10 years ago in October, and NCB has been our supporter, both financially And otherwise, they've been a main cheerleader for us. NCB's mission is to support and be an advocate for America's cooperatives and their members, especially in low-income communities, by providing innovative financial and related services. They do a great job, and they've just been a great, great partner. Now, we're going to talk to Adrian Roman. (laughs) Good morning, Adrian. Good morning. Thank
4: you for having me here.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Where are you from? Where did you get your education? And how did you get into the co-op world?
4: Yeah, so I am from Miami. I was born in Miami, but I grew up around here in Glen Burnie, which is something like 30 minutes away or so.
0: Glen Burnie, Maryland, right? Glen Burnie, Maryland,
4: that's right. Um, And in terms of the education, in college, I studied philosophy and human resources. And that's
0: an interesting mix. <laughs> philosophy and human resources. Okay. Yes.
4: Yeah, it happened in an interesting way. I was I was taking some philosophy courses and I was like, I'm gonna do business, I'm good at math, I wanna, you know, sustain myself. But as I kept going with the classes I was like, you know, I don't think I can do this business world, at least the way it was presented at my school and philosophy just kind of ignited my heart and i was just like this is the direction i want to be fantastic
0: fantastic
4: so in addition in in terms of the education um i did something called an an alternative mba through lift economy um it's called the next economy mba and um, some mediation, certifications, meditation certifications as well. So the education um, continued outside of the university. With Which the, school was that? The alternative MBA was with Lyft Economy. It's a group Lyft. of consultants. Okay. okay. And then the mediation was with Seeds in Oakland and the meditation certification was with center for creative inquiry in berkeley california
0: okay you got a breath of of knowledge here okay all right and how did you get into co-op
4: i got into the co-op world i lived in an intentional a buddhist community in berkeley and that's you know i lived there i worked there i studied there And over time they asked me to uh, develop a program to bring in diverse youth, which is a a big issue for a lot of organizations and definitely for Buddhist communities. And so when I was developing the program, I was like, what would I want in a program? And I started asking my peers, and the program turned into uh, democratic decision-making, How can we learn the mission of the organization but bring our passions and our interests as I felt like that's really what can sustain motivation instead of me as the director of the program, you know, keeping people accountable or pushing. Mm -hmm. um, I wanted the motivation to come from the folks' passion. So I started shaping the program in that way and you know I thought I was onto something this is interesting but as I started looking into it I'm like there's a whole world of democratic governance and ways people do this and circle gatherings and such so that's where I started being introduced to some of the practices and it wasn't until you know COVID hit and we started as a as a program. It was called the Mindful Living Program. So we all lived, worked, and studied in the same center. And as COVID hit and social awareness was increasing, the participants were interested in doing mutual aid and supporting. Um, We were doing like art installations for awareness and, you know, participating in emotional regulation for activists and things like that and once the kind of actual you know the the lead directors caught wind of what we were doing they they shut the program down wow yeah they said it was too political for them and so we you know it was pretty ugly and all of the participants, you know, we were kind of displaced from the. I know. Oh,
0: yeah, I'm sorry. I just was liking it so much. I'm going. They they had to embrace it. They had to go, you know, infuse money and time and energy to make it grow. So I'm so sorry to hear that they closed it down.
4: Yeah. Yeah. It was the community was so strong too. Like we having it shut down was um, something I'm still processing today, and. Yeah, I mean, the way the community worked, like, we were a little bit siloed, so, um, once the higher-ups kind of found out. uh, And so, when that happened, I was like, you know what, we need actual power. Not like a petri dish of power, but we need real power in these programs and the way that we work together. And so um, that's kind of how I found my way into the cooperative world. Like, what are the actual structures that give real power to the people closest to the decisions being made? And so then I transitioned from, like, intentional communities into um, cooperatives. Uh, You have a very interesting
0: approach to how you got into co-ops. So as you're doing the mutual aid and intentional living... What? how did you get the knowledge about co-ops though? What What came across your desk or mm-hmm. your space or who, who brought the information
4: about co-ops to you? Well, it started with an organization called We Are Open Circle and they trained me in facilitation. And it's kind of, a, you know, a circle-based facilitation style where you really are you know kind of like we're sitting now um but you're being vulnerable with each other and there's a nice structure that keeps the container and so that's kind of how i entered in into the scene and then from there i came across um lift economy like i mentioned earlier and this next economy mba um, they started with the solidarity economy that's how they opened the course and it was a 10-month program and then they go into entrepreneurship, and one of their big um, portions of the curriculum was around cooperatives. So that's kind of where I started learning about it.
0: And where was Was this in Berkeley? Where
4: was it? Yeah, they're based out of San Francisco, but it okay. was while I was in Berkeley.
0: Okay, So did you know Tommy in Berkeley? Did you go around? You didn't go to Google and say, give me some Uh, cheap housing? (laughs) No, we
4: probably passed by each other.
0: (laughs) Okay. I almost went to Berkeley. At least that was my second choice. I went to Stanford and got my MBA. But sometimes I wish I'd have driven on up a little bit further. I was teaching at (laughs) San Diego State. Drove up to Stanford, and I didn't go to Berkeley because I got accepted there. Mm -hmm. But if I'd have driven on up, maybe I would have learned about NASCO or co-ops a lot earlier than when I did at 48. Mm -hmm. Uh, You are great at learning about them, and you can do so much more. What do you see doing with this information? What do you see the future for you?
4: You know, there was a talk at this conference by Reverend Brown, and, you know, he's a reverend for black churches and the way that he's working with the churches is like um, creating mutual aid through the community the closeness that's built through the churches. and so my personal mission is um, how can contemplative practices which is my my background inform the cooperative world and how can the cooperative world inform where contemplative practices are being taught. And by that I mean, what is embodied listening? What is it to be in a collective? How does it feel to kind of connect with people? And and how can we do that with practices and and build that? Like, I want to focus on intentionally building that connection.
0: Fantastic. Fantastic. And I would like to be there with you in some of that. I think that's... uh I think that's the core of humanity. How do we work together? Mm -hmm. How do we work together? That's fascinating. Um, I just want to give a shout out now to CDF community development foundation for bringing the four of you all getting and setting this all up in particular. Christy Boyette, Who's just been a great friend in helping us to pull it together. Adrian, uh, we only have a 30 seconds. Do you have anything you want to close us out with?
4: Um, Yes, cooperatives are a way that we can shift not only how we work, but how we live and, and how we are together, how we view the world. And so I just approaching cooperatives in that way. We'll see you next Thursday, everybody.
0: Please live cooperatively in how you see and view the world.